DMs, have you ever felt like banishing a player to the Astral Sea for insisting your rule interpretation was bogus? Players, have you ever felt frustrated that a 19 on a perception check only tells you that there may or may not be something there? Zombies, tired of dripping human goo all over the carpet? Then this is the podcast for you where we take a hard look at the rules of the game, the reality of the table, and the role of the dice to solve D&D's most heated arguments. This is Raw and Order. Don't do it! This is your phone ringing. Hello? What's your favorite scary movie? Not this one, bitch. <laughs> okay, so we talked briefly about Halloween, and I'd love the Halloween season, so mm-hmm. we're going to talk about it multiple episodes. Yes, of course. First things first, on the realist, did you <laughs> think of a Halloween costume for me? Go. No, because now I've been distracted okay. thinking about Halloween costumes for myself. <gasps> Do you have somewhere to go? Yeah, I or mean, just... I want to dress up as one of my characters, as we spoke about this morning, you know, yes. and I, I would be really thrilled to go as Iso. Have you thought more about your own Halloween costume? I have not. No. Why don't you dress up as Clyde and Clyde dress up as you? <gasps> that would be super cute, but no one would get it. And I would just be a dog. <laughs> I would just be a very needy dog. They would so... get it if you brought Clyde with you wherever you went. Yeah, that's not happening because then he would, everyone would like him more than me. So I can't, that can't happen. Hmm. I have to be the center of attention. You're right. You're right. Yeah. They would definitely like him more than you. He is a precious little baby doll. He is. Do you like, do you like scary movies? I love scary movies. (gasps) I do. What's your favorite, what's your favorite scary movie? uh, Or like top five. Okay. Well, okay. This one is like super old school, but it is Mm -hmm. also the first scary movie I watched. And I watched it with my dad when I was younger and we like bonded over our mutual love of scary movies. Oh. So The Exorcist is actually one of my absolute favorites. How old were you when you watched it? I was way too young to be watching it. And I don't think that my dad like put it together. Oh, of course. Of course I was terrified. Of course I was terrified. The old um it, you know, Stephen King's it. Yeah. The, like, old the original? Like yes. the one that was always on TV. Oh my God. Another favorite of mine. Did Another you ever one read that, that my book? dad and I used to watch together. What? Did you ever read the book of no, that? No, I tried, but there's books scare me more this, than movies. Oh, that's interesting. There's two scenes. One in which like the bully makes one of his friends like blow him. Oh my god! Yeah, Stephen in the book, King. and then the other one, like a spoiler alert for it, the other one, like the way that the kids, like, get Pennywise to to like, like they lose their innocence, is they all like gang bang the girl. Oh my god! Like, yeah, they're like thirteen. What they're like, well, the we have fuck? to lose our innocence, so we have to fuck our friend, and she's like, okay, and apparently she just like drops trow, and they all take turns boning her. What? Yep, yep, really fucked up. The hell? I am so glad that did not make it into the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, just I there's so many things wrong with it, but okay. Um, okay, here's the thing. I am so scared of anything (laughs) and everything. Although I will say even though Halloween is like your favorite season, okay. It's well, it's like I I just like because I just like spookiness, but I don't like you don't like jump scares. I don't scary are two very different things. One hundred percent. Um, so I 
I really like the premise of horror movies. Like I like when people describe them to me. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. I do not like watching them. And my and I am one of those people that my default is to make fun of it. Like that's yes. my that's my defense mechanism. So I start making fun of it. So mm-hmm. a friend of mine decided because there was so much hubbub about hereditary. Everyone was like, oh my God, hereditary is so scary. It's hereditary. so good. That's from Ari Aster, I think. Um uh, and it's the same guy who did Midsummer. Did you watch it? Yeah. So we watched it and I was like, we have to watch it during the day because I refuse to watch it at night. <laughs> but we did cover all the blinds and everything. So it was dark. And it's, I mean, the whole, the whole thing itself, like there were definitely scary parts, but it wasn't, it wasn't nearly as scary as I think people made it out to be. Some okay. people were more, way more like affected by it than me. There's one scene where this little girl, spoilers, obviously, for all this, where the the main girl, like, uh, is choking on, uh, like, like she has a peanut allergy and she eats something that has peanuts and she starts having, like, a reaction and starts going into, like, anaphylactic shock. So the brother who, like, brought her to this party and was like, fuck, now I got to bring her to the hospital. He's, like, driving her and she sticks her head out the window and, bam, drives right next to a telephone pole. Oh, and- no decapitates her immediately it was the funniest fucking scene i've ever seen i was like yes honey yes work decapitate that bitch yes it was so funny oh my god i was just i was sitting here and i'm like why can i only think of those two and then suddenly every horror movie i've ever watched like streamed into my brain so Yeah, that was really fun for me just now. Yeah. But The Sixth Sense is a really good one, too. Yeah, that one yes. was good. Because, yeah. again, I was, like, much younger when I watched right. it. And then right. the whole, like, concept of that really freaks me out. And yeah. Jeepers Creepers, hilarious. Oh, I was yeah. never much into the, uh, the like, series, you know? Like, the Friday the 13th, yeah. Halloween. The um, The Jason whatever guy from the i don't know the mm-hmm. camp or whatever i can't even remember can't yeah jason remember. yeah yeah i was never into those the slasher films that's exactly right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well the freddy the nightmare on elm street ones freaked mm-hmm. me out a lot because um, you're like there is no escape and you like literally don't know if you're like right. awake or and not. it's just so. crazy and it's just like there's that supernatural element i think i get freaked out more by that stuff less so by the slasher films mm-hmm. that stuff it's like so they the supernatural always... freaks you out more than the yes. like murderer coming after you. Yeah, because get a gun. Why can't you just shoot right. these people? Right. And like, they always miss. And it's like if you have, if you're someone who has a gun, <laughs> you're probably the kind of person that like goes, goes to the to shooting range. range. Yeah. Right. And you're telling me that this person in a full mask, like in this screen, the new screen <laughs> movie, um, what's her face? With the main, the main character, they all come back and Nev, Nev Campbell's Campbell. back. And she has a gun this time. And and it's like Is that why the tagline? You... <laughs> she has a gun this time, guys. <laughs> but she can't aim. <laughs> Because she's a woman. And it's yeah. like patriarchy was the was the bad guy the whole time. Yes. Oh, okay. Because, so we're watching because, Squid Game. <laughs> Capitalism, no. patriarchy, it's all going down. <laughs> so I, I don't do well with those. I also do not like torture porn, which is why I won't watch Squid yeah, Game. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I, yeah, I don't either. I, don't like I was really saws. hoping that plot would like put it together, but it did right. not. So yeah, I'm not big into the torture porn either. No, Saw and all that stuff. It's like, I think it's interesting the way that like the people are like tortured. But I I think the overall concept is like you're telling me, also spoilers, some like 
90 year old guy with cancer is magically making all of these complex fucking right. things. Like, give me a fucking break. I know. Um, also, if, when you order like 7,000 hypodermic needles, isn't someone, doesn't that tip off the FBI? <laughs> is no one the questioning CIA? this. <laughs> I have a funny spooky season story. Okay, tell me. So in 2018, I bought my condo. And mm-hmm. my realtor is like the sweetest lady. Her name is Jen Stanbro. So if anybody wants to use her, you go for it. <laughs> she is just like the nicest lady ever. Mm-hmm. Okay. She was so patient with me, not knowing anything about what I was doing. Right. And so she did this thing for my first year in the house where like every kind of holiday she would drop off just like, like for Thanksgiving, she dropped mm. off a pie, you know, like to keep the business oh, relationship I thought it was gonna, like a alive. raw turkey. No. <laughs> But okay, so after I bought this condo, she was aware that I would walk in and out of my patio door versus mm-hmm. my front door, which is what everybody else assumes I use, right? Okay, right. so I it is a dreary, like cloudy day in October on a Saturday, right oh, before Halloween. I'm watching <laughs> A Haunting of Hill House on TV. Love it. I am scared. You know, because that show the first time around is very, very scary. Very spooky for me anyway. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of jump scares in that. Suddenly, out of the corner of my eye, from my partially closed blinds, (gasps) I see a figure move. (laughs) And I scream bloody fucking murder. Like, I am, I almost peed myself. Mm -hmm. I didn't. Not that I would admit mm. on this podcast, right. but you shot yourself. I, but yes, you won't admit. Hondo P. <laughs> I am screaming, and then I see poor Jen's face sticking out the little gap in my <gasps> blinds, looking at me like, "Is she okay?" <laughs> she came to drop off Halloween candy. Oh, <laughs> she was just gonna leave God. it on my patio and walk away. Then she hears me screaming like I'm being murdered inside. <laughs> oh my God! See, and I, I kid don't. You not, yeah. Every year Mm -hmm. around Halloween, she already did it. She texts me and she's like, remember that time I scared the living crap out of you? You're like, yes, I do. It was terrifying. But you like being scared. I do. I do. You you loved it. I really enjoyed it. See, I'm more of the like, let's watch watch, uh, Young Frankenstein and eat candy and carve pumpkins. Halloween Town. I've never seen Hocus Halloween Pocus. Town. You've never seen Halloween no. Town. Seen Hocus Pocus. Um, you could do Hocus Pocus, Casper. Practical Magic, Casper. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, you've yeah. never seen Halloween Town. You'd no, really like I've it. No, I've heard. I mm, questionable. I, oh. I, you know, I, but okay. Going back to scary movies, I was the youngest of three kids, and my parents kind of liked scary, creepy things. So I grew up like I remember. I was like seven when we watched Alien. <laughs> no, ma'am. Way too young for that. Okay. Way terror to this day. Aliens. The thought of aliens and it just <laughs> freaks me out. Um, you know they're like, like ghosts is debatable, but like aliens are definitely real, right? Yeah, but I don't think they're they're like the they're xenomorphs. They're not the things that that are from signs or from the movie right. Alien. Yeah, right. I think of them as the thing from the things from like Arrival, and they just want to chat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Amy I Adams, mean, right? That's who was in that. She goes yes. out there. She's like, "Hey, girl. And, we just want to uh, have a little little chat." Uh, what's his name? Hawkeye. Yes. Yep. Uh, Renner. Yes. Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. 
Yes. Right. Such yeah. a good mm-hmm. movie. Um, so, so terrified of those things. Um, and then like a, a, around the same time, I remember my sister was in like sixth or seventh grade. She had a sleepover. So I was like in like third grade and they watched Event Horizon, I've never which seen is, that. oh my God, it is. Is it scary? <laughs> terrifying it's like this ship gets lost in space and enters like this rift that basically takes them to hell and it's like it's crazy all this terrifying shit happens and i was like traumatized um (laughs) and uh and and another okay this is this is probably my favorite story it doesn't involve me but my parents this is an easter story but it's funny because it's spooky my parents um around easter they wanted to to get you know like an easter related film to watch because they're like mm-hmm. kind of religious and, and um, of the christ right something like that and so so they decided to get this movie called silence of the lambs oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and they started watching it and we're like wait a minute this isn't about easter <laughs> Um, was this back when movies were just not like super easily Googleable, right? Like nobody knew. This what was like before were. I was born, right? Right. So yeah. Um, well, but that, which which is another one of like honestly my all time favorite movies. Not even just horror movies. Like oh, I, Silence of the Lambs. That's is more like a thriller, so right? Yeah. Yeah, it's more like a like a like yeah. a crime thriller. There isn't. I, a, there, it's not like supernatural or anything. Like cannibals existed right like they exist they still exist they still exist (laughs) oh that's what you should go as (laughs) (gasps) just a cannibal yeah and then just like just me with like a like a human hand that's edible or something and just just be like chomping on it the whole party oh that's (laughs) that is actually a fucking amazing because you come dressed as like yourself you know and they're like why didn't you wear a costume and you're like oh i didn't feel like it but you know what i'm actually gluten-free now so i brought my own food and then you just pull out like a human hand out of your bag Okay, or I'm going to do that, but instead of a human hand, I just have a bag of dicks, and oh, I just take out dicks. Oh, see, that's perfect. Just, yeah, that is so perfect. I love it. I love it. That's what we're doing. Slap into a <laughs> Slim Jim. Oh. A, slap into Slim Jim's gym, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, okay, well, I'm glad that you like horror films. I mm-hmm. will remember that. Um, but um, if you ever try and scare me, I will murder you. Okay. If you so. try and scare me, I would I would just enjoy it. I would laugh. I know. I would scream and then laugh. When I and was... Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, like, I love surprises. Like, I love surprise parties. Yeah, I, I like surprise surprises. Things. And so Good we surprises. Played, yeah, well, we played a game this morning, right, for Yawning Portal. And mm. Clint was just like, don't look up with the with the green heart means like don't do it don't do it do no it. no one tell us no i'm not yeah i'm not telling i didn't look it up because i wanted to be like i yeah. love like organically learning things yeah. no, or, i like, mean our being listeners. surprised by this or like yeah. you know like yeah. being in the moment when i have a genuine reaction to this kind of thing oh so I, I was do like too. don't you worry i'm not looking it up that's a lot different from the anxiety and stress you feel from being terrified <laughs> from being of terrified something. it's all the same oh dear <laughs> Well, when I was a kid, I went to, we were visiting my family in Pennsylvania. I was like, again, five. And I was like, I want to go in the haunted house. And my dad's Uh-oh. like, okay. So he took me in. I screamed, <laughs> screamed, screamed. We had to go back through the entrance because I was too scared to go through it. It was not, it was, I had a lot of trauma. 
So anyway, <laughs> you know, I Funny would trauma. love to go to like haunted mazes or like haunted mm. houses. Uh, what used to scare me more as a kid was roller coasters. Like I was like genuinely oh. just like super afraid of all kinds of rides. <laughs> I'm the opposite. I loved roller coasters. So I would oh. always go on all those crazy rides. No, Look no. at us. We were like. We were opposite. Opposite. It's fine. We're friends now. Yeah. <laughs> Ebony and I. No. I yeah. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm very excited about our guest today. Me too. Yes. He has uh, his own podcast that I'm sure he will tell you about, but it's like how not to DM. Mm-hmm. I have listened to a few of his episodes. They're like super interesting. Yeah. A very fresh take on this. And I am so excited to talk to him. All right, well, let's get started. Let's do it. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. The Honorable Chief Justices Joe and Anna and Associate Justice Derek of the Supreme Court of D&D. All persons having business before this court are admonished to draw near, give their attention, and try and chill out already about Adele's latest album, even though it is surely absolute (laughs) fire. For the court is now sitting. Welcome, Derek. Thank you. Thank you so much. It is an honor and a privilege. And it is an honor to have the Honorable Justice Derek with us from <laughs> the How Not to DM podcast. Indeed, yes. Where where did that come from? Oh, boy. So I stumbled into podcasting um, <laughs> when you were talking about how, Anna, you were just like a player. And then all of a sudden, a year later or whatever, you're yep. like, now I'm <laughs> podcasting about the rules of this game. Uh, I, I related very much with that. So I... During the pandemic, got pretty bored, um, especially a year in. So in mm-hmm. January, February of this year, I was sitting there thinking, what can I do to let D&D consume more of my life? Uh, so <laughs> I... <laughs> exactly. So I started thinking I would put together a blog. Um, and what is this? You know, 2007. But I thought a blog <laughs> would be fun. Uh, where so you, I you would... made a Zanga, I'm assuming, <laughs> and or a live journal. WordPress. It was um, it's Wix. There was a free Wix um, site I set up. Yeah. Okay. I, so for for our listeners, he does have a virtual background of the Seinfeld set. So I do. he is I do. going back in time. That is what's happening with Derek. I, I am. I'm an old soul, as they say. So yeah, I thought I'd start a blog, and I had a Google form with a bunch of questions that I was just going to send to people. And they were going to fill it out and then return it to me. Turns out people don't really like doing homework, Um, (laughs) especially since most of the people I was chatting with were far past the time when they would be doing homework in school. So it didn't really like it didn't gain a lot of traction. It was mostly just my friends and stuff that were were doing it with me. Uh, I reached out to a local podcast. I'm, I'm located in Utah and there's a podcast maybe an hour and a half north of me that I knew about. So I said, hey, do you want to do this? And he said, sure the dmk uh and so he said let's just record it and then you can do a transcript with some free transcript software and post that and i thought all right i'll do that so we recorded our conversation and then i was like how hard would it be to just post this online <laughs> right, as a podcast yeah. and that's literally how it happened so i went from just wanting to do a blog for fun to all right now every week i've got to find a new guest and we've got to talk about all this stuff i got to like <laughs> 
watch their shows to prepare for my questions <laughs> and I've, you know, but it's been a ton of fun. So yeah, I really just stumbled into it and I've uh, been going since April of this year. Awesome. That is awesome. I've, I've only heard a couple of your episodes so far, but do you, do you just pull DMs that have like live plays and... Great question. Uh, so I try to spread it out with a lot of different types of people. I've got a couple of episodes coming out. I don't know when this show drops, but I've got a couple of interviews recently with some people who've done some game design. Um, there's a girl named Beth the Bard who basically took Strahd and gender swapped Strahd to a woman and has gender swapped a lot of the different main characters as well and created her own version of it that she sells. So really excited to chat with her nice. in a couple of days about that. Um, I've talked to people, uh, I recently talked to another woman named Steph who runs a whole website called TTRPG Kids, where she compiles games that are made specifically for kids from toddler age to, you know, mid-teens before they might be oh, wow. able to handle the complexity and stuff of the normal tabletops that you and I play. So, yeah, wow. I, I try to talk to people who do podcasts and streams, but also game designers and people who are doing lots of interesting stuff within the community. Well, if you're looking for guests, you know. <laughs> it's very subtle. Very subtle. Anna, yeah, yes. very subtle. Uh, I meant well, Joe would be great. <laughs> uh, well, that's awesome. So how long have you played D&D &D or yeah, tabletop so games? I started in, I think it was 2019. Um, I was at work and my coworkers were talking about playing Dungeons and Dragons. I believe I'd already seen a couple of seasons of Stranger Things at this point. <laughs> um, so I knew that the game existed, but I had no concept of what it was. Yeah. So they just invited me. They said, yeah, sure. Come, come play. It'll be fun. And here's this little quiz to take to determine what class and, and, uh, and race Ooh. you should be. So I, I rolled up with a dragonborn druid, maybe not the most min maxi combination, but it was just what the quiz told me to build. But cool, yeah. Yeah, and uh, had a lot of fun with him. Uh, didn't get to play a ton, but we started playing at work. Um, we started playing at lunch. So this is what tech people do. I was going to say, do. like, don't, don't like, say that uh -huh. in a recorded medium, Derek. <laughs> There's no, your legal advice for the day. <laughs> yeah, no, so this is what tech people do. At lunch, we're, we're playing Mario Kart or D&D &D <laughs> or whatever. You know, we, we, we've, got, we've got games to play. So yeah, uh, we started playing at lunch. We went through Lost Mine of Fandelver, loved it. Nice. And then near the tail end, like levels maybe four and five, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to write my own thing. And then we're going to jump in and start playing that after. I was like, how hard can this DMing thing be, right? <laughs> he just like... He just reads stuff that's happening and then we all we all yeah. fight the monsters and it can't be that hard. So I wrote this little like two, three shot-ish um, story about a town further south and there's going to be this demonic cult that they had to stop. Uh, and the first session I start and I send them to this camp where this crazy dwarf is sitting there who's like the leader of the cult and they've all disappeared and, you know, they're incognito in the city and you're going to have to figure out who they are. And I assume they're going to take this dwarf captive and put him in this prison cell where I need him to be for a later plot point. And they find some farmer and send him on a cart out into the wilderness. They're just like, take this guy as far away as you can. And I was like, well, there goes my whole plot, you know, out oh, the window. My, yeah, put him in an Uber and just get him the fuck out of here. Exactly. That's hilarious. Oh so learned, learned very quickly to not assume that they are going to do anything that you think they're yes. going to do. Uh, oh but, my God, that's yeah. so funny. Uh, well, that's so, that's awesome. That's like a very similar timeline to both Anna and I. Yeah, so, uh, 
Well, that's you know what I think. I think the best people are getting into D and D in the last like three years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally screw those old twenty year veterans. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, uh, we have so much to get through today because you gave us some wonderful um, cases here for the court. So, um, let's. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I didn't give the cases. Luckily, I asked the internet, and then uh, <laughs> I tagged Raw and Order D&D in it, and so Anna found some good ones in there. But, yep, mm-hmm. let's let's get to it. Okay, well, the court will hear two cases today. So, the first case, in Ray Counterspell, can you counterspell a magic item's ability? What if the magic item casts a particular spell? Um so okay, so this came up. So this wasn't from you, but this was from from a, a query online. So I'm going to throw it to Anna first. Anna. Well, I I mean, I was going to say I was like he asked the internet, and the internet actually answered him. So that's yeah. awesome. Very impressive. Yeah. Unless Derek, do you have any strong feelings about? Yeah. This? Why Why don't we start with our guest? <sighs> okay. So yeah, in my research, I obviously read through the spell counterspell. I read through um, magical item rules to try to make sure that I had a good idea of what I would rule on this. So let's start with Counterspell. We're on page 228 of the Player's Handbook, uh, which is it's a third level abjuration spell. Uh, It says you can interrupt a creature in the process of casting a spell. So that, that stuck out to me, casting a spell. And after just reading that initially, I thought, well, it sounds like if you are using a magical item, then I would probably consider it a separate thing that's casting the spell. But in uh, in reading the text that describes magical items, and I think that's in the Dungeon Master's Guide. Yes, Dungeon Master's Guide, page 141. This is in the section about magic items. So it says, some magic items allow the user to cast a spell from the item. The spell is cast at the lowest possible spell and caster level uh oh sorry the spell is cast at the lowest possible spell and caster level doesn't expend any of the user spell slots blah 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 um but yeah so it it talks about how specific items will use the caster's ability um and and that kind of thing so to me it seems like based on the text of the spell itself and the text about magical items i would say that if you're using a magic item that casts a specific spell like a wand of magic missile or something, then counterspell could counteract it. Uh, as far as like the charges that get expended or not, I, I have some thoughts about that, but that's kind of where I landed initially. What say you, judges? Okay, so Justice Anna. Yeah, I actually came to kind of a similar conclusion. I was like, mm-hmm. if the item itself just has some sort of magical effect, then use the spell magic, you know, that it that allows for you to kind of counteract the effect of whatever that magical item is versus counterspell. Mm-hmm. But if the magical item's description, and of course there's like, there's the ones that exist in the universe and then there's the homebrewed ones. So, you know, I can imagine someone saying, here's a magical item and then you pray over it for two minutes and in that time you're actually casting you know greater invisibility or something like that i I can imagine watching somebody go through that like quote unquote ritual of using a magic magical item to cast a spell and Mm -hmm. then interrupting them in that by using counter spell so i was going to say that it absolutely depends on the wording of the magical item itself and what the effect is joe 
I completely agree with both ah! of you. Um, and I think we're sort of on the same page here. So same reasoning, right? Like if, if you're talking about a leveled spell, which is specifically what counter spell is designed to counter spell, mm-hmm. um, uh, then yes. So if, if you're talking about like a, like a wand of fireballs or a wand of magic missiles or something like that, um, then then it just gives the caster the ability to um, cast that spell. Um, I saw an interesting um, uh, uh, corollary to this when I was looking at um, uh, research. And and one of them was, okay, well, what if I gave my player um, something where it's like a the uh, necklace of fireballs where you like pull off a bead and throw it and it casts fireball? Ooh. Well, in that scenario, is it the spellcaster actually casting fireball? Not really, right? Because they're not performing fireball they're just taking a bead throwing it and the effect is that the object explodes and casts fireball um and maybe um i don't have that item pulled up and you know maybe you homebrew it so that instead of just like throwing a bead and it explodes you're actually casting fireball um in right that like scenario, crush the bead or something exa- yeah yeah and it explodes on you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i like that i like that um uh, start juggling uh, the beads you know oh my God. see what happens yeah. Wait, yeah anna and i were just talking about horror movies in the opening you what if you did like a saw a saw thing with your players and one of them wakes up and they're juggling these beads of fireball and they can't stop they were, juggling. They Gotta were sleep juggling? <laughs> they were, let's say they were under like dominate person and yeah. then like you stop dominating and they're like, oh, oh, and they have this. to keep juggling it or they drop like all three of them. I mean, that's, that's terrible. Okay. So um, yeah, I would say if we're talking about just like some sort of innate magic ability, I, I, it comes to mind the I gave one of my players, uh, Cliff, his character Lenny has a, a staff called the, uh, the, the, branch of the great briar um and it has this passive effect that just gives the party enhanced stealth whenever they're in a forest that magical Mm. sort of like passive effect or ability um uh wouldn't be like counterspellable um but like anna said you could just like dispel magic it right Uh uh-huh yeah that makes sense um my second point was just like if if someone had something that was supposed to cast a specific spell, which usually has charges, um, uh, this might kind of bleed into the second case. But when it talks about spell scrolls, and if for some reason the spell gets interrupted when you're reading a spell scroll to try to use it, it says the spell does not or the scroll remains intact and you can use it at a later point. That to me indicates that if someone were to use a wand of magic missiles and it gets counterspelled. I feel like the charges would also remain. That's probably how Ooh. I would rule it specifically. But yeah, what do you think about that? I'm not that benevolent of a DM. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Especially- I usually am. And I was like, no, charges are gone. <laughs> I think it's similar. I- I'd probably say like, especially with a wand of magic missiles because it's so freaking powerful um, to-, to give that to your players. I would say... Um, I just sort of like if you're casting the spell yourself, if you're casting it through a wand, um, like if you're casting the spell yourself, you expend the spell slot, even mm. if it's counterspelled. So yeah. I think that I would probably equate charges or something like that to a spell slot in those circumstances. And I would probably hold like, no, you actually began the process of casting it and it was countered and effectively nullified and 
you use the charges in that process. It's interesting that you looked at the language of the spell scroll to see that if this is interrupted, then then the the scroll is not lost because that's what I would need the Mm. magic item to say. I would need the magic item to say if in the middle of using this to cast magic missile or whatever, if you are interrupted, the charges are not lost if if the if we use the like rules of you know statutory construction if it's written somewhere else that means the drafters knew that they could use that language to protect that magic item from being you know counterspelled and disappeared and losing charges and so if it's not explicitly written it doesn't count and and yeah. the charges go bye-bye yeah, those statues got to be constructed in yep. the correct yeah. correct way. Yeah. Well, well, interestingly, I think I don't know that that actually would be how scrolls work. So I think if the spellcaster is interrupted, so like if you're casting like find familiar from a scroll and you get interrupted, I think that's different than if the spell itself is countered. Yeah. And I think yeah. with counter spell, um, I I would hold as a DM same same would apply to a spell scroll. Um, you could counter spell from a spell scroll and describe would be lost i think do you disagree anna i do because of the language of counter spell which sam which states you attempt to interrupt a creature in oh. the process of casting a spell so that word interrupt shows up in both places so that's why i would disagree with that but but i think uh but, but the next line says uh, if essentially, I mean, this applies to all of them. Like if this, if the spell is effectively countered, right? So if it's a third level counter spell on a third level spell or lower, the spell fails and has no effect. I I don't know. I guess I would say that that is the equivalent of like expending the use. Like you would, you would expend the use mm. of the spell slot, even if you were interrupted. Whereas if you were like ritual casting detect magic and I interrupt you, that wouldn't, well, I guess you were ritual casting it, though. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> That's interesting. You know, Derek, what I are think, your thoughts? So I think it says something different in Roll20 than it does in the in the DMG that I have here. Oh, it doesn't use the word interrupt? Hold on. Oh. Yeah. So you guys, are, you're talking about the first paragraph, right? Once the spell is cast, the words on the scroll fade and crumbles to dust. If the casting is interrupted, the scroll is not lost. That's what you're yes. talking about? Yeah. Okay. And and you're saying, Joe, that to counterspell a scroll, that means they have already read through and cast the scroll, the spell effectively. Therefore, right. it would have been crumbling by the time that the counterspell takes effect. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That, that Do you agree with that? Me. Yeah, that makes sense to me. See, yeah. I disagree because if you have effectively read the scroll and cast the spell, then counterspell no longer applies, and what you're doing is dispel magic. Well, but you're that's cutting so- out the effects of that spell scroll. So you have to interrupt them in casting, right? So you have to like before they finish saying the words on the scroll, have to say I counterspell before any effect takes place. And if right. you're interrupting no. them and then the spell scroll language says if you get interrupted, you don't lose your scroll, I think the scroll is safe. Hmm. So I I this is a tweet from Jeremy Crawford, October 14, <laughs> 2016. Um, when successful, counterspell foils a spell that is cast. The casting isn't undone. The spell fails and is wasted. So it's 
it foils whatever spell. So I agree with you, Anna. It does have to be cast while the spell is other spell is being cast. It's meant to be a simultaneous reaction, but the the effect is not such that the player just doesn't cast the spell and it's undone and time is rewinded. It's that the player goes through with casting it. And in this case, using the spell scroll, but the spell is nullified and it fails. Um, mm. So I, I think if I think it makes, it makes sort of like innate sense to me that like, if you waste the spell slot, you waste the spell scroll. And I'm a, I'm a mean DM <laughs> and that's what I hold. It feels like uh, Mr. Jeremy probably could have been more clear in writing that because I, I get the 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 interruption thing you're talking about, Anna, for sure. Like I see where you're coming from, mm-hmm. and I think that it's like his later ruling Thank from that you. tweet seems a little bit against what the book says, but you know, yeah, I, that, that never happens. <laughs> well, it's funny, and it's and usually I find that a lot of the most difficult rulings and stuff like this come from like what maybe we would call dicta language, like frilly language that occurs before the actual mechanical description of the spell, because you could erase that first line altogether. And the spell would like the spell would function exactly the same. I think what they did was they wrote that in to describe what counterspell does. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I mean, and I agree with you. I think that, yeah, they use this word interrupt. I think here the context is that that's meant to more just be like flavor and describing what you're mm. doing. But uh, I would still hold that the spell is the spell scrolls. Yeah. If it was like specific, like you as a counter spell, you like hold their tongue or like hold their, their hands so that they can't physically cast the spell, you know, right. Then, Ooh, then like if it's like a somatic component and you're just like, my counter spell is me just like clapping your hands together and now you can't do anything. <laughs> right. Right. Like or chopping your hands off. You're, chopping you're, them off. <laughs> exactly. Momentarily your throat seizes up and you can't move your hands. And that's what makes it so that you can't cast the spell. Then I would say, you know, you keep the spell slot and, and you know, whatever else, but yeah, it's not it's not so specific. Some spells are specific, but this one is is less. It's just like they, yeah, they shouldn't just call it. Yeah, they shouldn't call it counter spell. They should, they should call it like like poo poo your spell or something like <laughs> that. Where it's like anti spell, <laughs> um, fizzle spell or something like block that. Like spell. To, block they spell. It, they should call it leps because it's the opposite of spell. <laughs> that was really dumb. <laughs> Can Depends you cut on... that from the final <laughs> nope, episode? <laughs> it's staying in laps. Laps. Uh, I thought you were saying the word lips, but just saying it very la- laps. Laps. <laughs> okay, well, I think on the basic point, maybe we'll we'll leave that second one up to DM discretion. Because I, mm. I think that <laughs> DM discretion. Make, DM discretion, my favorite thing. And I do think you're making a compelling point, and I would allow uh, like I wouldn't be mad, I guess, if a DM. Well, I certainly wouldn't be mad if a DM right? let me keep it, right? <laughs> so, um, but I think we're maybe we're all in agreement that um, you can't really counterspell a magic item's innate magical like properties or abilities, but you yes. can if you, you can counterspell a spell cast from a magic item if it if it's described as the spell giving you access to a spell. This item Agreed. access to a spell. Oh my god, I made that more confusing <laughs> than it needed to be. Um, ruling in fate. Well, this is just in Ray. So, oh, is that um, your tattoo, Joe? That is yes. nice, nice. Yes, my Beautiful. first and only so far, but <laughs> hopefully much more because it was super fun. Um, so, in, in the matter of in Ray counterspell, we all unanimously hold that um, in favor of uh, counterspelling 
from a spell cast on a magic item. Okay. All right. Recess. I swear I'm a I'm a real lo- lawyer, <laughs> but in my mind, when you said unanimous, I was like, did he say that wrong? Isn't it anonymously? <laughs> what is wrong with me? Today? Anna, I can't even laugh at that. I okay. <laughs> I can't. I swear. I, can laugh I swear. That. I'm a lawyer. I swear. <laughs> I have a degree. So um, I, I didn't tell you this at the beginning, but I actually served on a jury, and it was very interesting. <gasps> um. Tell Am us. I the first person to appear on the on the show that was on a jury? Who well, told us about it? Yeah, who told us about it? And most of <laughs> most of the people that appeared are our like lawyer friends, and we yeah, hardly we ever, get if ever, right. get picked the, who, for juries. Who, what what lawyer in their right mind would want a lawyer on the on the jury bench? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so, so my my father in law is a as an attorney. He's an ambulance chaser down in Las Vegas. He says that, Ooh. so I can say that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but but yeah, I served on a jury. It was here in Utah in a district court. It was the th- third or fourth time that same case had been heard. Oh my and God. our our um, judicial case, process. I know. It, it, so we were hearing it. So after it was a criminal been, case, I assume. Uh no, it was it was not. But this oh. was after it had been brought back down from the Supreme Court of Utah, back down to the district court. So this. It was a, a law firm, and one of the lawyers, he was in the middle of a big class action suit, and then he was driving home one day, and this was not uh, something we were trying to determine whether it was true or not, but he, like, totally forgot who he was, had complete amnesia, <gasps> and just, like, pulled into a gas station and, like, went in and asked for the phone and called the cops, because he's like, I don't know who I am, I don't know where I live. Oh, he had, like, a cognitive fugue. Oh, my yeah. God. So in the middle of this class action case. And so the whole thing was all of these lawyers arguing about what work he had done and what he was owed from this class action case for his work with the firm before this happened to him. Interesting. Yes. So it was it was uh, nine days worth of trial of lawyers arguing with lawyers about whether or not he had lawyered. Oh my and god! Yeah, it was a lot. That sounds fucking miserable. I'm <laughs> well, so what sorry. What an interesting little story in there. Yeah. For so, us, I mean, but yeah. Like, yeah. I, the average person, I imagine, would just <laughs> poor jury. Oh so, my god. It it was like it was interesting, and then I was bored to tears sometimes. You know, like there, there were. It was kind of cool to be in the courtroom and see how it was all done. But after it was all said and done, the judge came in um, and chatted with us, and he's like. If you ever get called back into jury duty again, <laughs> tell them that this happened and they won't make you do it. <laughs> oh my god. So. <laughs> that is that is nuts, but that does happen. It's called a cognitive well, I don't know if yeah. this is that's what he had, but it, mm-hmm. like you wake up and basically think you're someone else completely or you just don't know who you are. Don't and remember. Yep. That's so sad. Oh, also a great way to get out of working for a firm you don't want to work for. Mm-hmm. Just wake yeah. up. I don't know who I am. How did the how do they prove it? Oh, oh he was wild yeah, too. He had like borrowed money from neighbors to try to like fund the case, you know, and so he owed money to neighbors oh, and stuff. And that's so then, sad. Like they were arguing about whether or not he had been the primary person at that firm working on the case or if other people had been assisting. And like all of the witnesses, you know, this is like the fourth time they've come and done this in like the span of a few years. They were all so sick of it. It was hilarious. My God. Yeah. Jeez. So Okay. That, well, yeah. yeah, that that's like, <laughs> that's nuts. Um, so, okay, we have another Sorry. case. Do, Didn't do we want to 
No, no, no. You're fine. That's fascinating. It <laughs> that was very fascinating. Our, listen, Derek, our listeners need to learn about the law. Okay? Yes. Primarily and foremost, this is a legal podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're very serious about this. <laughs> Very serious. Um, yes. More than uh, anything, we need to learn about Utah law. So please tell us. More. Oh, there's all sorts of weird ones, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I kind of Anna. What do you think? Should we maybe save just skip this? and go to the discussion? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I think that I want to. I want to just get your opinion, Derek, because you've talked to so many DMs and you've DM'd yourself. Um. Uh. So we're just gonna go to chamber chat. We're the court's Let's gonna t- take an early recess. We're gonna adjourn for the day, and we're just gonna go back to the chamber. We're gonna take off our robes. We're gonna take off whatever else we want. And we're just going to relax. And um, I imagine the chamber chat, like the chamber's like a sauna. So, you know, we're just, <laughs> Very we're just like, yeah, we'll put those hot, the stones and water. We'll sit around and we'll just, you know, shoot the shit. So, Derek, the rules around spell casting, spell work, magic. Mm-hmm. Overall, what are your thoughts and what do you wish was different? Oh, so I chatted with my players about this. Uh, save one of my players on my current game. All of them were new to the game when we started. The game's been going for Ooh. about a couple of years now, so they're all fairly familiar. Um, but I do only have one full spellcaster. My wife plays a wizard. Uh, and then I've got an, one of my friends is playing a fighter who's an Eldritch Knight. So he's got like a few spells. And he's the one who DMs. So he, you know, he's got opinions here and there. But... Yeah, I talked to them about this, and a lot of them, this this again calls back to something you said, Anna, about how spells go one to nine, like for levels, and there's cantrips, but then players are levels one to 20, and they don't line up, and that was really confusing for, for my players to, to start with, to explain to them. Yeah. Also, they did mention the fact, like that some spells are bonus actions to cast and if mm-hmm. you cast a spell that's a bonus action like what can you do on your turn in, in addition like what other spells can you use what are the rules surrounding that and that's kind of always been fuzzy for them i guess maybe i haven't explained it well enough to them myself <laughs> um but well, yeah there's, there's I, I don't so think many that that's pieces, on you right? because yeah. I, I was just gonna say i don't think that's on you because when we when you pose that question on twitter like uh-huh. so many people responded with mm-hmm. like, why can't you do these? What's happening? I don't understand spellcasting. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we got to talk about this because yes. everybody's yeah. confused. <laughs> so you got levels, you got slots, you've got, you know, character levels, you've got actions, and it is a lot of moving pieces. And when you understand them, they make sense. But until then, it's just like, I don't know, it's it's very muddled for a new player to come in and try to figure it out. I remember when I started as a druid, because that makes sense when you're new yeah. to, to play a really oh complicated God. character. Uh, yeah. So I remember being very confused about the whole spell slots thing. I also thought that when you leveled up every time you got ability score increases, and I was like, sweet, I'm going to be God. all 20s by level 20. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of things that, that you got to figure out. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's start there. Uh, so spells and actions... Uh, I have never played Pathfinder, but you have, right, Joe? I haven't actually. I oh. played the video game. I played the oh, video game, and I got very okay. confused. But I know a little bit generally about okay. sort of how it functions from our guests that we've had on. So I could be completely wrong about this. So please, <laughs> internet, do not crucify me. But from what I understand, Pathfinder's turns are split into. I think you have like three actions you can do on your turn. Mm-hmm. And then some spells are one action, some spells are two actions, movement takes one of those actions, and so it's kind of right. like very 
Uh, that seems more straightforward to me than bonus action, regular action, free action. Oh, you take an attack action and you get to attack twice, but you don't get to do other things twice. You know, movement is is one of your actions. Then you've got, you know, I, so there's just like so many different actions that they're juggling around. But that makes sense to me where you've got three different pieces. Some spells take two actions, some take one. And then, then it would be very obvious to you what you are and aren't allowed to do, I feel like. Um, so that's that's one thing that I think could be much clearer and easier for especially new players to understand. Yeah, Anna, what what are your thoughts uh, sort of just about spellcasting and and, well, and how it works currently? Yeah, I mean, obviously when I agree with Derek that when you first start playing and you see like third level and you're third <laughs> level, you're like, yeah, I can do that. That sounds great. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. one of my favorite stories Fireball, to tell about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like me getting started in D&D, right? I rem- yeah, I remember. We've told this so many times that I remember Anna at third level casting Aura of Vitality, which oh, she yeah. doesn't get as a paladin until like ninth or tenth level. Yeah. And I'm like, holy fuck, this is so powerful. My- How are they? Like, they're going to just breeze through this combat. And then I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and is is trolling me (laughs) yeah um i i often get frustrated with the uh no two spell slots Mm. in a turn rule um and i almost wonder with hearing you describe uh pathfinder whether if a spell takes two actions and you get three and as another spell takes one action like did Pathfinder allow you to do two spells in a whole know. turn? I don't it, know. It, it so, might have, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. So I we'll, we'll totally need to get a Pathfinder wrong, expert in here to, to yeah. tell us that answer. But Listen, Derek, we're doing exactly what the internet was made for. We're three people talking about a topic that we're not <laughs> we qualified to talk about. So we're just we're doing the internet its service. We're doing this, it. This is what millennials do. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I assume you're both millennials. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> um, no, spellcasting can be very confusing, but I also think that it is, uh, it is worth having the patience to figure it out because it is one of the most complex but rewarding aspects of playing D&D. I mean, the combat is fun and the like martial combat is great, but I love being a spellcaster. I love having the like wide universe of magical powers at my fingertips so so just like what i wish was different was that there were more spells that were bonus actions and that's kind of like my number one thing on my spell casting wish list so Hmm. joe what would you make a bonus action Ooh, (laughs) let me think about that come back to me (laughs) okay i i love that so I, you know, I'm of two minds. I like in D&D how everything has a different name. So that way it's because I really like categorizing things differently. So just the way my brain works, I am really good at memorizing like this is a reaction. This is a bonus action. This is an action. But for new players, you're completely right. It is nonsense. Um, so, And unfortunately, it's just one of those things where like you need time to learn them. But the whole like using two spells on a turn, it all comes from this this really wacky like syllogism that is built into the rules of D and D and like D and D obviously, cause it's a rule system borrows a lot of like things from like law and logic and to try and make its system work logically and coherently. So the way that it's phrased, it's, it's, it's worded. If you cast a spell with a casting time of a bonus action and it's a first level or higher, I'm not reading this. So I could be messing it up a little bit. Um, then, um, 
you can only cast another spell that has a casting time of an action and is a cantrip. What that means is that the reverse is also true, which is if I were to cast a spell of first level, I couldn't also cast a bonus action of first level or higher because the because then I would be violating the rule of not casting a cantrip with the casting time of an action. Mm -hmm. That whole thing could be said so much easier. It could just be said that unless you're a fighter using action surge, you cannot consume more than one spell slot on a turn. Yeah. And had like, if that is how it was worded, like it would be so much clearer and no one, like people would be a lot less confused. Mm -hmm. Um, I still agree sort of, you know, that, that the, with the logic behind D and D, like it doesn't really make sense why you can't consume two spell slots on a turn, especially when you can cast a spell um, with either a casting time of an action or a bonus action and then also use a spell like Counterspell or Shield that are reactions, right? Because you can consume a spell slot in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's for whatever reason, it just doesn't let you do that. So I think that that is a reasonable like like request. I, I think for me, we literally just had this come up in a game and I played this morning, but holding bonus actions. Why, why can't you just decide I want to hold a bonus action? Instead um, of an action, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I use my action to hit, and then I want to hold a bonus action and cast spiritual weapon um, and have it attack when the enemy comes within 60 feet of me or something like that. Why can't you do that? Um, it just doesn't make too much sense. And then also in the line of holding things, the fact that when you're holding a spell – you automatically consume and lose that spell if your turn comes around and the trigger hasn't occurred. Why? Why not just force you to maintain concentration until you, the player, decide you want to release that spell? So those yeah. are like some of my like gripes with spell casting. Hmm. It does seem like that would make it more realistic. Yeah. yeah. I thought about the like bonus action action breakdown a little bit more. And here are a few thoughts I have. In uh-huh. a crazy world invented by Anna in which she gets <laughs> everything she wants, everything that's not an attack, like that doesn't cause damage, would be a bonus action. So like mm. if you're if it's a healing spell, it's a bonus action. If Ooh. it's like turning invisible, it's a bonus action. Because then you can use your action to still participate in combat and attack and cause damage and then you use your bonus yeah those things bonus actions and here's why it's because i know i i try to like think about the things that frustrate me when i'm at the table and i'm like oh man i really want to like turn invisible but i also want to take a shot when i have invisibility and so i have to wait till my next round to do that because i'm gonna i'm gonna burn my action doing this so then i'm like oh man wouldn't it be cool if i could just invisible bonus action and then take my shots like that sounds ideal so in my crazy like way too powerful everybody's crazy world created by anna dixit (laughs) anything that's not damage causing is a bonus action and then everything else can be an action that would be super fun (laughs) It would Which, be. I'm. I, I'm yeah. sure there's some game breaking stuff in there, but I'm. I won't think of it right now. <laughs> well, to be fair, though, right? Like a sorcerer can already do that with quicken spell, right? Yeah. So, but so it's a I, limited well of of points to pull from. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Very true. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I agree that like if in an ideal world, some spells that require an action to cast, I think that 
it would make sense if some of those spells were bonus actions. Like the fact that spiritual weapon is a bonus action and spiritual weapon is a, is a spell that when you cast it doesn't attack, it's not concentration and it lasts for a minute, which is 10 rounds. That is a very powerful (laughs) bonus action spell, but like, you're right. Like, well, why can't invisibility be a bonus action? Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's the reason I play clerics and it's because of spiritual weapon. (laughs) Love it. Another thing uh, that I think could be interesting is instead of having spell slots for each level, maybe you just have points, kind of like sorcery points, mm. that add up to a total number, like 20, 20 total points that you have. And so you could cast four level five spells with that if you have access to them at that point. Um, that, that might be interesting as well as like, instead of having levels of spells, it's just like, once you hit this, this level, you get access to this new list instead of like calling them leveled spells. And then they each just have a certain number of points you have to burn to cast them. Hmm. That might make it so you can cast too many high level spells at at the, at the start. But I don't know. It's just something to think about. Absolutely. That's a a great idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially when you think like. When especially like at later levels, when it comes to first level spells, like first level spells can be super great. Bless, bane, um, healing word. Like you have all these amazing first level spells that shield. only need yeah. shield, right? That only need to be ca- absorb elements. That only need mm-hmm. to be cast at first level in order to really be that effective. And if you think about it, like what if you were a caster who like you were you weren't super thrilled with your second level spells? So like you never really used your second level spell slots for anything other than casting first level spells. Well, what if instead of just like upcasting those spells, you use this point system and the way the math worked out, it gave you more first level spells to use mm-hmm. that yeah. actually would be like way more way more like malleable for spellcasters because you could cast like two ninth level spells if you were a super high level and then the rest like just a bunch of first level spells which to me it makes sense that as a spellcaster like just because i used all four of my first level spell slots like i'm pretty powerful right i should be able to cast more spells at a lower level right right yeah magic to me is like a well of 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 power that you've got access to and to me like limiting the number of certain spells you can cast just it doesn't make a ton of sense like it seems Mm -hmm. to me like you would be able to do whatever you want so long as you have the power to do it like stored up or whatever i don't you know that's just kind of how i think about it anyway yeah absolutely yeah that may be the only thing in D &D that doesn't make a ton of sense so that's it's troublesome for sure (laughs) not like not like the super logical solution that D &D has that if you're in a sword fight and you are bleeding so much that you fall unconscious all you need is a good night's rest (laughs) yeah yep that's usually what i need yeah yeah and are you asking to for me to implement serious injuries and stuff no 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 realism yeah takes a week to full rest yeah you only get a full rest after a week you'll you'll be coveting those spell slots oh god um uh okay well derek do you mind if i put you on the spot a little bit because we have the 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 d the dm and host of I should say the DM. My brain's not working. We have the host <laughs> of how how not to DM here. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you: Is do you have like a pearl of wisdom, or like if you had to come up with like one major rule or like two major rules for our listeners? What should they not do when they're DMing in order to you know be good DMs? Mm, okay, so the probably the most common one that I get 
uh, when I'm interviewing my guests is number one, a lot of us didn't know this. And so it's forgivable, but like session zeros, figuring out what people are and aren't okay with in their games. Mm -hmm. A couple of my guests have had really heart wrenching stories about like saying or doing stuff that seemed harmless but was really triggering or mm. uh, traumatic for their players at their table. And they had no idea. Right. And obviously right. not like none of these people were doing it with poor intentions or like trying to traumatize people, but it happened. And so I feel like there's a lot to be said for making sure that everyone at the table knows what kind of game they're getting into, knows what they can and can't expect and has voiced their opinion and their feelings about what is appropriate for them to experience and that makes sure that you as the dm aren't going to step on any toes and aren't going to cause any problems and that everyone is going to have the most fun possible so that's probably the biggest thing that people don't do that i think will really take your game to the next level as far as that goes Mm -hmm. uh on the flip side good advice uh i feel like my game really opened up with my players and and they really came into their own as role players and players of the game when i started involving them more in the plots and in the world building and that kind of thing so i started when i started dming this current group with lost mind of Vandelver as well so i was familiar with it i had played through it before i knew they were going to have fun doing it so we played through that and then after that i started homebrewing so i've been homebrewing for the next five levels we played through um but yeah, the, the first little story arc I did, they had a lot of fun, but, you know, it was it was just kind of like, go get this MacGuffin, go to the next dungeon, get this <laughs> MacGuffin, go to the next dungeon. Mm-hmm. And, and that can be interesting and fun, but as soon as I started, like, texting them between games and saying, hey, what is so-and-so thinking right now? Or, you know, who's someone in your life that would be able to influence you to do this thing? Or, you know, just, just kind of working with them behind mm-hmm. the scenes on plot points they they come so excited and ready to Absolutely. jump into the things that we've been planning sure. and yeah. yeah so that that's my my piece of advice to make your game really good is involve your players in the world building and the plot and you're going to see them come alive yeah yeah awesome i totally agree yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, Absolutely. So, so Derek, this has been mm-hmm. a joy. We have to have you back. What, where, what are your socials? Where can we, where can we find you? Where can our audience find you? Yeah. So I'm most active on the old Twitter. Uh, that is at HN, the number two DM. And in my Twitter bio, you can find my link tree, which has links to all the other different sites. I have a discord that you can come in and chat with some of my former guests um about whatever questions you've got you know maybe you listen to an episode and you want to ask them something so most of them are all in there uh and then my podcast you can find it on most podcast platforms uh so that's spotify apple podcast pod um pod chaser good pods you know etc etc i'm not going to list them all but if you (laughs) for some reason don't find it on your preferred podcast platform let me know and i'm sure i can get it published there too but yeah i'm nearing the end of my first season here i've got 29 episodes released so far so there's plenty to go out and binge and like i said to anna earlier i've got lots of different guests who do different things and who all have unique perspectives on this awesome hobby we all share so yeah yeah go go listen to those if you have questions for me uh you know my DMs are open, so let me know what you want to know, and I'll try to answer it. 
and we will we'll tag you in, on Twitter when we post the episode. Yeah. So awesome. look I'll out for that. Make sure to retweet it a bunch. Yes. Awesome. Well, thanks awesome. so much, Derek. Thank you. Court is adjourned.